Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast uh, here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm Tom Reed and joined as always by Dave Molinari. Uh, Dave was just uh, got home a couple of days ago. We're thankful to have him back after a long trip. Um, uh, a good ending to the trip uh, out west, western Canada and, and, uh, and uh, Seattle. And by the time you're listening to this, the, the, the teams uh, already have probably gone to Washington to play them. But Dave, uh, that trip that you were on kind of ended in a rough way for the hottest penguin on the team. And that's what I, where I want to start today. Jake Gensel, who's just been having a terrific season and a just a, he's been on a heater uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, what does this injury mean? Uh, let's start there. And how do they replace him? Well, they probably don't replace him. They don't have anybody sitting around who's capable of coming in and putting together a 13-game scoring streak and scoring seven goals in four games the way Gensel did uh, up to the time that he was injured. Um, But they do have a couple of guys, certainly a couple of top six wingers who uh, are underachieving in terms of what they've contributed offensively this year. And this would seem like a very good time for one or both to step up, those two being Kasperi Kapanen, who apparently is going to uh, move on to the top line with Crosby and Rodriguez and uh, Jason Zucker. Uh, Zucker has one goal in the past 19 games as they prepare to play Washington on Friday night. And uh, Kapanen has won in the past 12. I think it's uh, not a stretch to say that the Penguins reasonably expected a lot more productivity out of both of them. Yeah, and 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 for to, to get a little bit more in depth into this topic, uh, Dave wrote about this in the uh, Friday Insider. For all of our our listeners that are subscribers, please read that. It's a awesome read every week. Uh, covers our three major sport pro sports teams with little nuggets and stuff that you may not be able to find anywhere else. Uh, Dave, <laughs> with Zucker, it seems like we're talking about this all the time. It's almost like an evergreen conversation. Uh, with just him, you know, a good player, but needs to start scoring with Kapanen. It's, I don't know. We talked about him at the beginning of the season is like the could be this X factor, especially with Crosby out. I mean, his numbers are okay. He's got like five goals, nine assists, but just was on a four game road trip where he didn't have a point. And I, I think there's times when watching him that you watch him play, you watch him skate. And you just expect more. I don't know. Maybe that's me, but I watch him and I'm like, this guy has more to offer. And why isn't it resulting in, in, in some kind of, of points or, or goals? Just your thoughts on, 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 on him since he's been back. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think he has been an X factor. An X factor doesn't have to necessarily work out in a positive way. 
you know, he was a key variable for them. And if he was performing to expectations, I think they'd probably be a little higher in the standings. Um, I don't have any issues at all with uh, Zucker's work ethic. I mean, he operates in the high traffic areas. You know, he he seems to do everything but score. Uh, Kapanen, on the other hand, he seems to have uh, developed an alarming habit of pulling up short after he carries the puck into the zone or when he's carrying the puck in the zone rather than attacking the net. And I don't know if that's a reflection of a lack of confidence or if he's simply reluctant to go into those areas, but that's something he's got to get over. Um, You know, he's a great skater and he's got a good shot, but you've got to be more assertive uh, than he has been. And and until that happens, I don't know that you're going to get a a whole lot more uh, production out of him. And this is a, you know, this is a critical, uh, critical time there. We're we're getting toward the new year. This is where things start to really pick up and you've lost. I mean, no offense to Sidney Crosby, who's, who's the franchise's best player, but Jake Gensel has been their best player. He's been, from start of the season to now, other than a non-goalie, he has been uh, the guy that they could rely on to, to score goals. So uh, someone is going to have to step up in his absence, assuming, again, whether the team's reporting it as an upper body injury. I think we kind of think it might be a hand, something to do with maybe blocking a shot in Seattle. Well, that's speculation. But Dave, they've got to they've they've got to get some the production from one of these two guys, if not both. Yeah, I think both and probably even some other people. I, you know, Gensel was just, you know, a, a score without equal. And I, I, it's not realistic to expect one guy uh, to to pick up, uh, you know, the load that he was carrying. But they do have guys like Zucker and Kapanen who definitely are capable of contributing more. And this is certainly the time that the Penguins need them to do it. One, one good thing, we've talked about this uh, as a lead topic in our, one of our most recent shows, is just the idea of Crosby's back. We kind of knew at some point he'd probably get it going a little bit. That is certainly a positive. He's starting to put up points, uh, kind of what, we, what we're used to uh, with him. As he, as he finds his game again, maybe that can be a, a, a spark or like helping these guys play. Now, if I, if I remember correctly, he and Kapanen only played like what together, six or seven games last year they, they didn't play together much, did they? Not much. Um, and there didn't seem to be any particular chemistry between them. No, Kapanen and Malkin seem to have some. And I yeah. suspect that if Malkin returns while, uh, while uh, Gensel is still out, that it's entirely possible that that we'll see Kapanen, you know, drop down to Malkin's line, and somebody else play with Rodriguez and, and Crosby. Um, but you know, that's that's probably just a wee bit down the road. Uh, you know, at this point, um, Malkin still hasn't taken contact, so you know, I I don't expect him to uh, materialize in, in the lineup in the next day or so. Dave, do you think part of it too is last year toward the end of the season, Malkin was kind of kind of banged up, and then he came back, and then it seemed like if a memory serves, he got like hurt almost right away, didn't he? Not like Tenorti, Jared Tenorti hit him. Uh, he kind of and then then they just kind of 
he missed he missed a couple of stretches toward the end of the year, did he not? And I'm wondering if part of that is why they're they're being so slow with this one as to make sure he's all the way back. Oh, uh, I I don't think they're being you know, I, unnaturally slow with getting him back in the lineup. I, I you know, I, I that would be foolish. I I think what yeah. they're doing is following the advice of their medical people for, you know, where you know, where his recovery stands. Um, you know, there's there's really nothing to be gained by holding a guy out, you know, after he is medically ready to play, As, you know, yeah. assuming he's also mentally ready to play. I can't imagine that will be an issue in, in Malkin's case. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you just watch him during his workouts, he looked a couple of weeks ago, you know, like he could – you know, perform at a level that you, that you would expect from him. But, you know, we don't know how structurally sound his knee was. I assume the medical people monitor that on a a pretty regular basis. And, you know, when, when it's decided that, that he's ready to take contact and then, you know, that he is ready to return to the lineup, I suspect that, uh, you know, that will happen at the earliest opportunity. All right. Just getting started here on the 66 to 87 podcast. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Casey DeSmith finally getting a win. Uh, Jim Rutherford finding a new home. And do they do the Penguins need a little bit more from their defensive players as far as some goal scoring? So stick with us here on the 66 to 87 podcast. podcast and uh dave molinari resting up after that long trip of that four game trip where he had got less sleep than a rock star uh going out west with probably not quite as much fun or after hours parties uh but dave you did see a win there at the end and you saw a very important win for casey DeSmith. smith and i thought it was interesting in a game where the penguins scored six goals and took it to the kraken right away a lot of people probably would have focused on those goals and all that that explosion, but I thought you wrote a good story, really focusing, narrowing in on, on Casey DeSmith. Uh, why why do you think that was that important, and and how what maybe can that win do for his confidence? Well, I mean that that's what makes it so important is the impact it could have on his confidence. Um, I mean, one good game isn't going to completely restore a player's confidence any more than one bad game is likely to completely destroy, uh, you know, the confidence of a guy who's been on a good roll. But, you know, DeSmith needed some, you know, something good to happen for him. You know, he had been 0-3-1 going into that game. You know, his, uh, his goals against average was nearly as high as his save percentage. Uh, <laughs> You know, it just he had just gotten off to an awful start. And, you know, his his situation with the the challenges were compounded because Tristan Jari has been playing so well, you know, that the the Penguins have wanted to use him as much as was realistically possible. 
And when you're a guy, you know, trying to get your game back in order, you want to play. And, you know, but with Jari getting so much work, uh, DeSmith wasn't getting much of an opportunity to, to try to get his game back in order, you know, during games, which is where you do it. You can practice as, as much and as hard as you want, but you really can't replicate game conditions. So he needed and some we, work we, in games just for his, his technical skills. And he needed a strong performance like he had against the crack and just, you know, for his mental well-being, for, for his confidence. And as we record, again, I would expect or anticipate uh, uh, Tristan Jari to play in, in Washington on Friday. Uh, it's, uh, they have a back-to-back situation where the, uh, the Ducks come into town. Ducks are a pretty good team. Uh, they come into town Saturday, I would assume, to Smith then? You would think, um, uh, you know, Mike Sullivan never tips his hand on his goaltending plans until uh, the day of the game. Um, it seems reasonable, though, to expect that uh, Jari and DeSmith will, will split the weekend starts. Uh, you know, which guy plays which game, it, it's hard to say. If You know, if I had to bet, I'd say Jari and Washington and, and DeSmith at home against the Docs, but... Uh, uh, that's that's purely uh, speculation on my part. And here's the other the other component to this is not only do they need uh, DeSmith to be able to occasionally spell uh, 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 Jari. Uh, I think the next opportunity. I think there's a back to back in the first week of the, of the new year, new year, like the seventh or eighth. But what happens if Tristan Jari gets hurt? This situation just happened with the Rangers. The Rangers are off to this great start. Igor Shosturkin is one of the best goalies, at least statistically, in the league to start the year. And down he goes again. And Georgiev has not been playing well, now is playing, and has actually played better because uh, he's getting some games, as you just alluded to. You can practice all you want, but you're really going to show yourself in the games. They have to get Casey DeSmith going in case uh, they were to lose Jari for a stretch because, my goodness, imagine you know losing Jari and DeSmith playing the way he has been to start this season. That would be an absolute uh, terrible double whammy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why, I mean, you have to use DeSmith more often than just when you have games on consecutive days. Right. You, you know, it, it's not realistic to have him, you know, split the workload with Jari or anything like that. Jari is clearly playing uh, better of the two uh, and is the undisputed number one guy. But you want your backup to be able to give you 15, 20, 25, you know, solid games a year because you want to keep your, your go-to guy fresh, you know, for the stretch drive and, and the playoffs. Um, and DeSmith has shown in the past that, that he's capable of doing that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like the bar has, has been set unrealistically high for him. He just wasn't clearing it through the, you know, the early weeks of the season, but you know, his, uh, his game in, uh, Seattle, I think had to be encouraging not only for him, but for his coaches and teammates. Real quickly, uh, news item for the last couple of days. I know you wrote about it. Uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Jim Rutherford. Uh, who won a couple of cups here, uh, had, a, had a nice run before resigning early last season, back in the league, a team executive in Vancouver. Dave, what do, what do we know about that role that he's going to have with the Canucks? 
Well, he's uh, president of hockey operations, which is the, the role that Brian Burke fills with the Penguins now. And he's interim GM, which yeah. I assume he will be spearheading the search for a permanent GM. Yeah. Uh, it will be interesting to see just how aggressively uh, he conducts that search. I, you know, he, uh, he never made any secret of the fact that he wanted to get back into the game. Yeah. Um, and I think he really enjoys being a GM. You know, he's a very aggressive trader. That, that will be kind of fun to watch to see if he tries to somehow get the Canucks into, uh, into playoff contention, you know, with, with some aggressive moves. And, and if he makes those, you know, how they work out. Um, I don't expect him to be shy about, about making personnel changes there. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, good for him to, to be back in the game. Uh, you know, he had moved back to Raleigh where, you know, he was the GM for a long time with, with the hurricanes. Uh, but you know, he's, uh, he's relocating to the other side of the continent and, uh, he's got a big challenge there. The Canucks as, as the Penguins saw, you know, uh, last week. Uh, there's some definitely some talent on that team, but uh, collectively, it's a mess. Yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised that they actually waited as long as they did. And and speaking of 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 changes, we kind of foreshadowed this last week. Uh, the change has been made in 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 Philadelphia. Uh, Elaine Vigneault out um, right now as a uh, former Penguin assistant, Mike Mike Yo. Mike Yo yeah. is in right for now, but I have to think that, that that someone else is coming in there because even in the couple games that since they have made that move, uh, there's no sign of the Flyers getting any better. No, um, I, I yeah, I fully expected that Yo is uh, you know there on an interim basis. It certainly seems like the Flyers are interested in hiring Rick Tockett. Yeah, and they should. Uh, yeah. Um, he probably shouldn't have been on the market this long. No. Uh, it will be interesting to see how the Penguin fan base reacts to him because he's he's adored here after his time as a player and then as an assistant coach, you know, where he uh, got a lot of credit for the productivity that they got out of Phil Kessel uh, during his time here. But, yeah. you know, if he turns up behind the uh, the bench of their arch rival, uh, you know, perhaps he'll go back to being uh, <laughs> one of the top public enemies as as he as he was during his playing days with the Flyers. There's part of me, privately. There's part of me that would love to see John Tortorella take that job uh, again. I I think Tockett would be the it's just natural, obviously, being a Flyer guy. But uh, can you imagine Tortorella coaching back in the division, coaching the Flyers? And not only that, just Tortorella and the Philadelphia media would probably be more entertaining than the Flyers games. <laughs> oh, I love him. I love the man. Uh, I know he's not real well liked in Pittsburgh, but I, I think that would be fantastic theater. Either way, uh, it'll be good. And either way, I think more changes coming in Philadelphia. Dave, here's a, here's this weird stat. We see this around the league every couple of years with teams that one year they their defense is chipping in goals left and right, five on five, and then it suddenly goes away. And that's right now the case with the Penguins. Uh, they were among the top teams in the league last year in, in a condensed season. 
uh, with goals from five on five. I think they were in the top five. I think Vegas, Edmonton, Florida, and Dallas were the only ones that had more goals. This year, five on five, three goals from the defense. Is that is that something to you that is alarming, concerning, or it's so random in the NHL if you, unless you have just a superstar defenseman in their prime who just blasts shots in left and right? Well, I, I mean, it, it's a surprise, certainly. I mean, that they in 25 games, they don't have a uh, a defenseman with more than one goal when, when you consider, you know, that Chris Letang and even straight team. Yeah. Well, even uh, overall, they've gotten a total of four goals from, from their defense. One each for Latang, Matheson, Pedersen, yeah. and Marino. Um, Latang and Matheson, yeah. in particular, you, you expect to score more often than that, especially with Latang, who has gotten off to, in general, a pretty strong start this year. Obviously, a few games with some hiccups. Um, but in general, you know, he got a pretty good start. And if you think Chris Letang, good start, 25 games, there's going to be more than one goal to show for it. But uh, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that number rise. Um, you know, the, I, I don't expect them to finish the season, you know, with 13 or 14 goals from from their defense, which is the pace they're on now. Um but no, I you know I I don't think it's a, a major cause for concern. I I think if you're at a point where you're uh, one of your biggest concerns is how many goals you're getting right. from your blue line, then you're probably in pretty good shape. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly that. That's kind of my thinking on this too. Although you know, just to to kind of dovetail on our first segment when we talk about losing Gensel and finding ways to everybody step up. Just having, uh, just getting a few more goals from the blue line would help, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a huge issue. But uh, it is interesting. And I don't know that there's much they can change. Yeah, I don't think there's much they can change about the way they're going about their jobs to increase their goal output. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's sometimes it, it's to me, it's that is a random stat. Again, unless you have somebody back there like a Brett Burns in their prime or. Just, you know, we've seen over the years so many really good, talented offensive investment, especially before uh, back in the got in the, the coffee. Think of all think of all the great defensemen have played in this league. Brian Leach, uh, Bork, all those type of guys where you could every year you could pencil in 15, 20 goals, whatever. Ally of Frady, my goodness. Yeah, Bobby uh, Orr was OK. Yeah, Bobby Orr was OK, too. Uh, but if, but but when you don't have one of those guys, and, and let's be honest, Crystal Tang, like you said, is having a good season, but he's he's not twenty, he's not the Crystal Tang of age twenty six, twenty seven. So uh, I just think it's it's a bit of a random number. There's years where it, it kind of uh, it, it's nice, you guys, you know, score some goals, but it, it, like you said, I, I don't think you can count on it when you don't have a group um, like this. Even in, even a kid like uh, Adam Fox, who's having a great season in New York doesn't have that many goals. So as long as you're getting contributions and then, and they are getting contributions from the defense, putting up some points, it just hasn't manifested itself in goals. All right. We're getting, we don't get into cultural wars very often on this show. Thank goodness. But here comes one Dave, uh, the Friday night's game. I won't talk about it in present tense or past tense. Cause I don't know when our fans are listening to it. Uh, not on television in Pittsburgh. Wasn't anywhere. It was on streaming. Uh, we 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 
spoke about this at the beginning of the year with ESPN and, and Turner coming into the league, um, uh, national broadcasting. But there is, there's going to be a lot of set, a lot of times this year where where games are only shown streaming. So in other words, it's on your computer. It's on you can you run it through your if you have Hulu. This game will also app on your television, or you can you run this through your television. Your thoughts on on this? The the fact that that tomorrow night for for a segment of the fan base that uh, ESPN Plus and Hulu are both subscription sites, you have to pay extra for this to watch this game. Your thoughts on this? Well, I, since I'm not sure that my dial-up internet connection, uh, <laughs> you know, will support, um, I do not anticipate watching the uh, the Penguins Capitals game. Um, I'm sure that this is, uh, I mean, obviously they're, they're trying to attract, you know, younger fans who are more accustomed to watching things on their laptops or on their phones. Um, you know, that's, that's where the future is. It goes without saying, um, but you know, for, uh, for fans of, of my vintage, you know, a lot of us simply, uh, We'll, we'll get by without watching a Friday night hockey game. Yeah, I think this is, and, and we've seen this uh, as a soccer fan. I I'm, uh, have become accustomed to this uh, with Peacock, uh, the NBC kind of version of that, where you have to stream it. If you, if you want to watch every game, you have to have Peacock uh, to watch your favorite teams every game, and at least in the English Premier League. Uh, John Butchergross, who we had on the show uh, I back in July, had a great line, and credit Taylor Haas for uh, putting it in her story the other day. His, his, his remark was, I'm sure there are going to be some 64-year-old Penguin fans who are going to sit down and watch the Penguins and Capitals and find out it's on ESPN+. Plus. They're going to call their son and daughter and say, what's ESPN+, Plus and how do I get it? There are going to be some interesting phone calls. I think he's dead on. I think tomorrow night there are going to be some fans. Well, we're recording this on Thursday. There are going to be some fans that are like, where in the hell is the game? And why is it not on television? This is America. Well, I uh, wish I could tell you that I disagree, but I don't. And uh, <laughs> I'm, not I, sure, I, I'm not sure that my kids can tell me what ESPN <laughs> Plus is. So, <laughs> And my wife's, my wife's not happy already. She's not happy. Like, again... I like Denise. We can watch it on ESPN Plus. We can watch it on our lab. No, 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 no. it's just like it's, there's there's problems. So and you can tell my wife is and I are both in our mid fifties, uh, and it's it's this is not going to be this is not going to be good uh, tomorrow night when we have to watch it on 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 a laptop. But such is life in 2021. All right, when we come back, we will uh, be joined uh, by a guest, uh, Sean Shapiro from the Athletic. Uh, please stay with us on the 66 to 87 podcast. Podcast. And as promised, uh, joined now by Sean Shapiro, uh, does a terrific job covering the business of the NHL for the athletic and wanted to have him on, especially today. 
uh, with the Penguins playing their first uh, game on ESPN Plus, in which that it will be the only way you can watch it. You cannot watch it on television. And I can tell you from personal experience, my wife has been, this has been bothering my wife for two days. How do we get this channel? Where are we going for this? How do we have Hulu? So it's, I, I know if it's, it's causing anxiety in this house in Columbus, Ohio, there's probably some, some people elsewhere in the, in the Pen, Penguin fandom that may be a little bit older that are like, all right, what am I doing here? Uh, Sean, my, my first question to you is, is this, you know, since the ESPN announced their deal and they have been on last, I believe at least last year were on ESPN plus as well. Do we have any sense at all of, of if the NHL is driving some subscriptions uh, to their streaming platform? Yeah, it's uh, for starters, Tom, for starters, I'm actually uh, surprised that your wife would have any surprise for it. I know you guys watch enough soccer in your house. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> but the, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to find causation versus correlation sometimes with this ESPN plus and the NHL deal, because right now the only people who get access and the only time we see the ESPN plus numbers are when Disney does their quarterly calls. And those numbers have been going up and everything like that. Each time the numbers are better and everything. And ESPN will say hockey has helped and everything like that. But we have no proof. There's no like a, no one, the only people that have physical proof of, hey, this is we're getting X amount of subscribers from the hockey fan base are the people at ESPN. And so I, I don't I haven't seen numbers on that. I'm sure the league has probably seen numbers on that, but it's hard for us to get an exact how many new subscribers to ESPN Plus are there just for the NHL. Because if someone subscribes, say someone was a uh, was was looking to pull the trigger and really pulled the trigger for Bundesliga or whatever, but then yeah. also decided, well, I'm going to watch a lot more hockey because of it. How do you count that person? So it's hard to find exact causation and for whether it's moral. Of the story is the streaming business and the sports streaming business is not going anywhere. Right. Um, and, and within the, and I think with the hockey world is basically becoming the, kind of the North American forebearer for people who aren't soccer fans. Like I, like I think people like, right. So if you're a, a soccer fan, if you're a fan of an English premier, as, as I'm sure, you know, Tom, if you're an English premier league fan, if you want to watch every one of your team's games, truly yep. right now, you need ESPN plus you need uh, Peacock. Peacock, a cable subscription with NBC Sports. And if your team is in Europe, you also need Paramount. Like, so that's yep. literally four different logins right there. And hockey, we're just starting to see. So really the hockey one doesn't sound nearly as bad when you lay it out compared to the other ones. But we're basically, hockey is basically the first North American domestic sport where we're seeing where this is going. And to be frank, it's something that it's not going anywhere for hockey fans and if you're a basketball fan, um, even the new NFL deal has some built-in streaming things like this that goes into effect in four years, in four years, I believe. So it's just, this is just kind of a sign of where things are going um, that we, we talked about, oh, we're cutting cords and everything like that, but really you're just getting more and more logins and that that's just where it's going. And it's, whether it's the right thing or wrong thing, you can debate that, but that's just kind of, it's where the industry's going and hockey is kind of the first domestic major sports league to jump into it just because of the timing of the deal. And they were uh, 
the easy guinea, guinea pigs since they were trying to, since they were frankly in a spot where they needed to find a, a way to get two networks, unlike the other ones that already had two network deals before the most recent up, re-upping of, uh, of uh, major TV deals. I think it also works in a way, Sean, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, yeah. but this may be more anecdotal than anything, but you, you might have, you would certainly have a better feel for this than, than I would, or we would, but it's hockey seems to trend younger. You mentioned, we, you yeah. mentioned earlier about the soccer. And I, I think when you look at a lot of soccer fans in North America, even those that watch games in Europe, and hockey fans, they both trend younger than maybe baseball fans or mm-hmm. the NFL fans. So I, I would think that this maybe has a more of a chance to work earlier on than say if you did this with Major League Baseball, which let's be honest, a lot of the fans are older. Yeah, and I, and I think I, I think it's the, the one that doesn't have to do it. Where you would have the most pushback is the one that doesn't have to do it. It's the NFL because the NFL is sure. clearly king, and the NFL kind of has to nibble into this and, and get – and, and, but I think I do believe that this really wouldn't work with baseball. It's the concept where if you ran to this, this baseball, you need to do it first. And hockey does trend younger than baseball. Um, I feel if the NBA had done this, they probably would have had similar, just as much. Yes. Um, but I think the NHL with, with the audience and where it's going, you definitely have people who um, you definitely have people who, who are from an older demographic or don't really understand it that that are going to take a while and may frankly miss games unfortunately um it's something where i think there's examples of this on a micro level all the time uh, on radio places where uh, like for example the LA Kings two or three years ago i believe ditched to terrestrial radio and i know the kings still get complaints um it, the number of has dwindled, but even into this year, they've gotten complaints of how do I find the game on the radio? How do I find the game on the radio? And, and so really it's, I think the NHL has a younger demographic that's embracing it earlier. The one thing I think that did not, um, and this is whether you want to put this on the league or ESPN, I'm, you can flip a coin to pick who to blame for this. I think the issue has been the messaging and the understanding of this from the beginning, because this was all built up as a national TV or national TV deal in the spring. And everyone was all excited. It was, and it was, but it was one of those things where even at that time, it wasn't super clear until we got into the season of how heavy it was going to be of ESPN plus streaming exclusives. And so um, I think the league um, and ESPN both didn't do each other favors in how it's been messaged. Um, I think the fact that, the fact that I get that I have people, the fact that I had to write a story earlier in the season, how do I find the hockey game is a pretty <laughs> bad sign of how the messaging was. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's the same reason that like every Monday I get that email now of like, Oh, Hey, these are the games in ESPN plus where I just feel the need to tweet that of like, Hey, if you're fans in these markets, make sure you're ready because you have to make sure you're, you're not going to be able to find it at the sports bar tonight. And I, and that's the one kind of long lasting question for me on this is, um, how will restaurants and bars um, kind of translate with this? Because like um, if you can't find it's, it's easy to go to the bar and say, Hey, throw the hockey game. It's on ESPN. Yeah. I, if you go to, an, if you go to any random bar and say, Hey, throw on ESPN plus they have to know exact you, they have to be ready for that. And so I think that is going to be kind of the interesting long-term development of this is how do the public viewing where, one of the things that came out when everything, this whole deal came out was like, oh, we're on ESPN. We're the sports bar default. Well, 
ESPN Plus is not the sports bar default. So it's that's another kind of nuance of this. But moral of the story is this is where we're going. And people in Pittsburgh, I know you said it's the perfect time to talk about tonight's going to be the first time where there's people who are probably ready for it. And then there's going to be a large amount of audience. <laughs> and I feel really bad for the people I feel the worst for actually are the poor social media managers for the team accounts who get whenever, whenever the game starts like five minutes into the game and they're getting have to manage 50,000 mentions of, I can't find the hockey game. Where's the hockey game? What the hell did you guys do? And like, I feel, I feel bad for them the most because they're the one that take the brunt of it. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 we had, uh, we mentioned this in the last segment. Uh, we had Butcher Gross on uh, in the summer, and he 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 used almost that very line, not about the the managers of the social media accounts, but hey, what channel is ESPN Plus? Uh, wh- wh- where is this on my yeah. cable cable? So yeah, I, I do think the bar thing is interesting. We we know like with soccer bars, they are able to do this; they can stream it. But I think in hockey bars and places that show games, they're going to have to do the same thing. All right, quickly, uh, let's yeah. move on. Just your initial thoughts as a as a hockey fan of. Uh, of how the presentation of ESPN and Turner have been in the first couple of months. Have you, have you enjoyed what you've watched or what, what sticks out, whether it be good or bad? Um, I think Turner has stuck the landing better than ESPN personally. I think the Turner studio show um, it's not, it's not the inside the NBA level, but I think it's, if you're talking about, Hey, that's being the varsity for Turner, this is the JV and it's done a, I think it's done a sufficient enough job. Um, I think um, you talk about things that, once again, weren't messaged really great. I mean, they talk about bringing Gretzky on, and he's going to go about four or five weeks between appearances. The next appearance is the Winter Classic, I believe. And that's just kind of another kind of one of those weird things when you talk about, hey, we're bringing Gretzky in and everything like that, and you're going to go long stretches without him. It just kind of creates a, like, I don't know, because I don't watch every inside the NBA one, but I don't think Shaq and Barkley miss five weeks. Like, that's no, just like, no. for, for example. So I, um, I think, but I think overall Turner stuck the landing a little bit better. I think ESPN. I think the fact that there's a studio show is great. I still think ESPN needs to figure out its. I think the talent is still needs to be figured out a little bit. Like I feel like there's people who, I feel like they've they've had play, but they've had people doing play by play should be in studio and vice versa. I feel like it's just kind of there's still there's still a landing that needs to be figured out on that for ESPN while. Um, I know. We're, well, I think Turner has done a better job of placing people in the right start. Um, be an interesting question to discuss as they get into the playoffs and everything like that. Because I feel at that point, ESPN will either have learned from this or stick with it. It'll be interesting to have ask that same question about five months from now. Uh, Sean, a uh, couple of days ago, the Board of Governors approved the sale of the Penguins to the Fenway Sports Group. What kind of reaction have you heard around the league just to to the sale? Yeah, it's it, the, the price point, I believe, is $915 million is what I've heard, and I think that's been pretty widely reported out there. And um, the true valuation is actually probably a little bit higher since uh, since Mario and Burkle obviously are still having the – I believe it's going to be 5% um, ownership stake still. So the, the actual valuations may even be closer to a billion, but it's – but their stake obviously, but they still have the 5% value. So it's a little bit, it's somewhere between 915 million and a billion valuation. Um, odd of happiness, obviously around the league because of close to a franchise that was typically considered 10 to 15th in value in the league selling for a billion is obviously one of those things that's rising tide is going to, is going to bring all ships up. So a lot of, kind of excitement about that and 
And obviously we saw there was the reaction, I think, kind of a, a different a immediate reaction in the outside sources that look at this stuff and the Forbes and the Sportico's that do those franchise valuations. I mean, Sportico's had come out before this, but Forbes recently came out and the values, their overall values for how they had looked at franchise has gone up. So um, a lot of people who frankly already had a lot of money are happy because they know that their, their investment is that their, that their franchise is, is worth even more. And, and frankly, probably worth even more than whatever those, whatever any public valuation is out there. It's actually worth team is worth more than that because those valuations, well, our estimates really only apply to a sale of a team if uh, if multiple teams were for sale. Like I think it was the Rangers were at two billion dollars. The Rangers wouldn't sell for two billion; they would sell for three billion. Like it's it's just like when something it's scarcity and everything like that. It's just kind of if but if all thirty two teams were for sold at once in like a monopoly board style, those valuations be accurate. Otherwise, they're actually higher if it, someone tried to sell it. So it was plenty to sell. Well, I think the three of us should buy the Rangers then. Yes. Uh, uh, FSG, uh, the the Fenway Group, mm-hmm. has a, I believe it's an 80% uh, interest in Nesson in uh, New England. Could you see them trying to buy the uh, the local Pittsburgh sports channel, which is AT&T Sportsnet? I could say I don't I don't know the full ownership situation for Root. I don't know how what the what the plan is there and everything like that. But I definitely could see from a Fenway point of view, I could definitely see that something of uh, being of interest and of something that you would try to do. Because we've seen a lot of that with the, the regional sports networks are a really interesting space right now. Um, they used to be kind of a guaranteed cash cow for NHL teams, and they've become as regional sports networks have become, you see coverage disputes or, or, and, and you've seen disputes with, with valuation and teams like, like I know, um, not as much with root, but the, the Bally's, the Sinclair node ones have been really in hot water lately. So the valuations of the value of having those deals, um, they're not really the automatic cash cow they used to be. And so teams, I think, are starting to see that they're in ownership groups are to see there's definitely value in finding the ways to maximize both look and Washington um, owns part of the, the, uh, their regional one. Um, that's actually why Washington even founded the monumental sports network as kind of a negotiating point to like, Oh, look, we have another one. And that's somehow they were able to use that to uh, Ted Leonis was able to navigate ownership of the local RSN. So I could easily see Fenway jumping into that and whether it's, whether it's something where they just own both them and Nesson under the same umbrella or try and do something branding wise is a whole nother discussion. I don't think they would try to brand it. I think Nesson is too exclusively new England and has a certain vibe to it, whether good or bad, depending on where you're from and that I think they would only want to keep with Boston, but that wouldn't stop Fenway from trying to put it under the same umbrella, I believe. And it's just really comes down to, kind of dollars and cents on the people who currently own own route in Arison and Pittsburgh and how they would kind of want to approach it. It's an interesting thing to track. And it's certainly something that I think Fenway probably has on their radar to at least try to discuss, um, especially since the Penguins, I believe, have still have a good amount of time left on there. I don't have it right in front of me right now, but I, Penguins, from my, my recollection, still have maybe even a decade left on their deal. I'd have to double check that before saying anything super official, but I'm pretty sure it's a while. Mm-hmm. And we're uh, pretty much 
we've wrapped up the mm-hmm. first two months of, of the season. As a as a hockey fan, what, what uh, storyline has been the most enjoyable or interesting for you uh, to this point? So I, I will say it's it, this maybe it sounds like a bit of a cop out because Seattle's new, and I'm sure a lot of people would say that. But I, I did take I went to Seattle. I was in Seattle about three or four weeks ago, and it was really neat to see just the environment around a new NHL franchise and to see how much they've embraced the sport there to go and kind of, especially in a year where we've seen attendance issues, kind of, we've had some trickling attendance issues throughout the year. So we always knew that Seattle would, would come into the, to the league well, but to see how they've kind of decided to take how they've worked to build a strong sport there already. There's the junior teams there, there's youth hockey there, but in, in kind of elevated, I think that's been a great thing to see and just kind of, go and see sold out buildings, even for a team that is looking like a traditional expansion team is great. And uh, I, I think that's good for the, the overall sport. And I think it's also an example, it's an example that the league should rem- remember and look at when, as it figures out the state of some other things across the league. And yes, I'm hinting at Arizona. Of, <laughs> you look at like the state of other things across the league of there are markets out there that would embrace this and grow the sport as opposed to some places where it doesn't work. And I, I, I hate to say it that way, but it's unfortunately true where I think Seattle is a good example of this is how you do it. Right. And if someone's going to do it right, you should look into that. So that's kind of uh, tying in my own beat and my own experience personally seeing the game. Uh, so I'll use that as a cop out there. Well, fantastic stuff, Sean. Uh, we really appreciate how you have on. I- having you on today and i think the penguins are back in march on 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 hulu and espn plus i'll just have my wife call you to figure out where to find it or i'll 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 bring up your old article here from a couple months ago maybe that'll help her out sounds good (laughs) thank you so much to sean shapiro also dave molinari i'm tom reed we will talk to you again next week on the 66 to 87 podcast